Amen. Church, you can have a seat. And as you do, you better turn to your neighbor and tell, ask them if they're ready, okay? Ask them if they're ready. Man, I hope you're ready. I hope you're ready. We're in a series called Different. And now, when I say that God has called you and I to be different, he has. But there's a difference between different and weird, okay? Because sometimes Christians, we're weird, okay? It's not different, but weird. I remember this was years ago, but I, you know how you greet people? It's like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? And I, I greeted this guy who's a, a Christian, and he's like, I said, hey, how you doing? He said, good, covered by the blood of Jesus. And I'm like, okay, what? Okay, number one, you have no friends. Why would you talk like that, okay? Who speaks like that? Okay, I get what he's saying, you know, but that's weird, okay? That's strange, and Sounds messy, but it, whatever. So, but we, uh, it, funny, uh, Jake, I was dro- dropping my son Jake off at school. He's a seventh grader. And I'm dropping him off. This is Tuesday or Wednesday. And we pull up, you know, the car, you pull up to the front of the school if you don't know. And then the kid just gets out and there's these girls walking by. And I'm like, Jake, hey, when you get out, like, I'm going to roll down the window when you get out. And I'm going to say like, hey, buddy, I love you. Have a great day at school, bud. You know, and just kind of, he's like, dad, don't you dare. Don't you dare. And I said, Jake, come on, let's, let's have fun. And uh, he, he was begging me not to do it. So I didn't do it. So I said, I'll, I'll just say that while you're in the car. So the windows were up, and I just yelled as loud as I could. I said, Jake, I love you. You're my little buddy. And I'm yelling. I'm sure the people can hear me outside the car. But I'm yelling it. I'm sure Jake's shaking his head. And I'm sure he's thinking, God, my dad is so weird. And you know what I'm thinking? Jake, it runs in the family, so welcome home, buddy. I mean, if I'm weird, you're weird, okay? Just accept that. So we can be weird, but there's a difference between weird and different. Say different. See, God's called us to be different. That's the reality. In this series, the whole premise is, the, the, the foundation is generosity. And why it's different is because most people aren't generous. Not because they're bad people, but because they've never been taught how to be generous. And God is teaching us some things in this series. And, and generosity, by the way, I'm not talking about giving. Like, we all have given, right? You give here, you give there. You, you can be guilted into giving or motivated into giving. And, those are, and that's not a bad thing to give. In fact, you should do that, give to things. But generosity is different. Generosity is like uh, we call a lifestyle. Like, generous people have a plan. Generous people have a plan. And last week, we, we shared what the plan is for a lot of us and how life looks. And if we have that graph, uh, when, when we're not financially, when we're struggling, it, we worry. And, uh, or is it that screen? Uh, one of these screens aren't working today. But anyway, there's a graph that shows worry. And so there's worry. <laughs> there it is. Spending. Debt. By the way, so when you worry, it prompts many of us to spend, which is crazy because we're worried about finances. So it's, it's but this is a normal this is a normal cycle for many of us. It has been for me for, for a lot of years before you know, God started to rearrange things in my life. But we worry and then we spend. And it's funny, we buy things we don't need, right? With money we don't even have to impress people we don't even like, right? We, I've been guilty of that, maybe you have too. But that leads us to debt. And debt, of course, leads us to we have no margin because we, 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 you know, we, we can't, no wiggle room. And that leads back to worry. But God wants to do something new. This isn't the way he wants us to live. So, and we think, what we think is, oh my gosh, that's, that's why I have a money problem. But the reality is, you don't have a money problem, and neither do I. It's a contentment problem. It's a, it's a, it's a lifestyle problem. It's a spiritual problem. So how do we remedy it? Like, how do, we, how do we fix all this? Isn't that what we're learning together? How do we do it? Come on, God, show us, teach us. He's going to. And what he's teaching us in this series is, if you, don't, if you don't remember, he's teaching us how to consume less, how to give more, 
and how to save more. So last week, we looked a lot about the consumption assumption, and that's about the consuming part. And this week, we're going to look, look at the other parts. And I'm so excited about it. So, but for this to happen, again, you got to have a plan. Ask your neighbor, what's the plan? Ask your neighbor, what's the plan? Online, type in the comments right now, what's the plan? What is the plan? What do we do? Okay, how many people here, for one thing, how many people you would say you're a planner? Any planners? Yeah, my gosh, that hand went up so quick, I, I wasn't even finished saying it. Some of you, you're planners. Like when you, you're going on vacation, you plan every little detail up until the point where you've got the bathroom break scheduled in. You know, your daughter might come up, I gotta go potty. Yeah, you know what, sweetie? Another 11 and a half minutes and then you can go. Yeah, in the meantime, don't drink any water, you'll be fine. So we're planning all these little details. By the way, ladies, you're the worst when it comes to bathroom breaks. I'm just gonna say it. Okay, I'm going to say, my family, when we go on trips and we're heading down the highway, we literally can stop at a gas station, be there, and, and, and seven minutes later, I hear, hey, when's the next rest area? I'm like, are you kidding me? I can still see the gas station. We just left. But I, I'm like, oh, it's 30, 30 miles away. We'll stop at the next rest area. But guys, if you're like me, you know what I do? I think to myself, I ain't stopping. I ain't stopping. They'll, they'll get busy. They'll fall asleep or start reading something. And if they don't say anything, I ain't saying anything. And I've done this more than once, so now you know. But, I mean, I'm traveling, and we get closer, and I'm, I'm not saying a word. And I'll go buy it. And then all of a sudden, 30 seconds later, hey, where's the, is that rest area coming up? I'm like, oh, shoot. Dang it, we just, we just missed it. But I'm sure there's another one coming in 30 miles. And then the sign normally says, next rest area, 147 miles. I was like, oops, sorry. Have you heard of a ditch, right? <laughs> Probably easier for the guys, but whatever. So I'm just saying, some of you, you plan every little detail. If you're not a planner, you still have a plan. Did you know that? There's still a plan. You may not know what it is, but there's a plan. And if you don't know what the plan is, here's the thing. It's normally not a good plan. If you don't know what it is, it's probably not good. Because think about it. When is the last time you've ever drifted in a good direction? When? Think, I wrote it down this way. We plan towards what's good, but we drift towards what's bad. That's why the plan is so important. Say, that's why the plan is so important. This is the plan. That is the title of today's message. And there's a reason that, the, I'm, I'm telling you, I thought about that vacation thing I just talked about, that, well, how we plan our vacations. We will spend more time planning a one-week vacation than we do planning the other 51 weeks of the year. Think about that. We do. It's insane. Well, God is showing us about the other 51 weeks of the year and how we're going to plan. And I'm telling you what, this is the plan. You ready for it? Say, I'm ready. Okay, I need to know you're ready. Type in the comments, I'm ready. I hope you're ready. Here's the plan. Give, save, live. I'll get more specific. Give first, save second, and live abundantly. You give first, you save second, and you live abundantly. See, this is the opposite of what most of us do. If you think about it, what is our lifestyle? If we're living a normal life, here's what I've done most of my life, and maybe you're doing it or you've done it, this is it. We will consume most of it. If it comes to us, we consume it, right? We're gonna spend it or use it on something for us or whatever, so we consume most of it, and then, then we will save some of it if we can. If, we're, if it's possible, we'll save some of it. And then if there's anything left over, by chance, we'll, we'll maybe give that. Do you, see, do you see how it's just the opposite of what God says? Give first, save second, and, and live abundantly. 
And I'm not saying this because I'm the pastor. I want your money. I could, I, I'll, I, I'll say it over and over and over. If you never give to any the church, I will love you and I'll walk with you. This is not what it's about. So I just want to take that off the table because I've thought that way too when I've been to churches. But that is not what I'm talking about. I wrote this down. Living a generous life is saying yes to what matters most. Living a generous life is saying yes to what matters most. Giving. Giving is how you say yes to what's important to you. So, so that way when somebody asks you to give to a certain cause or give to a, a GoFundMe or something and you haven't planned to do that, you don't have to feel guilty saying no because you've already said yes to what's important to you. So when that little girl comes to your house selling Girl Scout cookies and it's not part of your plan, well, I'm, actually, I'm still buying the cookies because they're really good. But my favorite are like the chocolate with the peanut butter in them. Those are my favorite. And somebody right now, is th they're thinking, oh, the thin mints. I can't believe he didn't say thin. Whatever. I mean, thin. God loves the chocolate-covered peanut butter. Those are his favorite, so they're my favorite. So I'm just saying. So, but you, you need to have a plan. Now, some of you, you might be thinking, okay, we're, so if I'm supposed to give first, give something first, well, where do I give? Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a good idea. And, I, and I, I thought about it this way. First of all, Luke 12, 34. Use this as a premise. Wherever your treasure is, whatever you treasure, there the desires of your heart will be. So, so where you put your, say, your money, your heart follows. Does that make sense? And it actually works the other way too. You know, where, where your heart is, there your money goes. It's, it's, this is, you already know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. So based on that scripture, based on that premise, you can give from two areas. I would recommend that you give, first of all, from a grateful heart. We give from a grateful heart. So what does that mean? It means ask yourself, what am I grateful for? Like, what in your life are you grateful for? It's going to be different for, for many of you, right? We're all grateful for different things. Like, uh, let me take it from a ministry point of view. For Meadows Church, we knew one of the things that we're going to give to, even before we moved to Omaha, one of the things that God laid on our heart that we would give to that we were grateful for is anything that pours into children. Children are a big deal to our church. So, so we knew right away we're going to adopt schools. So we adopted two schools, and we love on these schools, and we give to that generously. And why do we do that? Because we have a grateful heart. In fact, this last week, um, one of the elementary schools, G. Stanley Hall in La Vista, we, you, when I say we, you, you're the church, so let me give you the credit. You fed the entire faculty during parent-teacher conferences at G. Stanley Hall. That's awesome. All of them, 40-plus people, you fed them. You fed them while they loved on students and, and, and got their stuff ready for the next go-around with what they do for our kids. So that's what we do. We plan that because we want to be generous. Why? Because we're grateful. We give from a grateful heart. We also give from a broken heart. Okay? We give from a broken heart. So what, what I would ask yourself there is, what, what am I broken over? What has broken my heart? See, you all have them. Some, they're personal because you've gone through certain things. Maybe it's a battle with an illness. And now that illness, all of a sudden, that took your mom or took your dad or your grandma or grandpa, you know why you're so passionate about it? You know why you run marathons about it and do all these causes? Because you're broken over it. Because it matters to you. I'll give you a personal example here. Ten years ago, my wife Jody and I got introduced to an organization called Compassion International. And we heard about it, and we saw what was happening, and we didn't get it. We've never been on mission trips, never been to a third world country, and they start showing us the plight of a normal family and what they go through and what they have to live on. And they're telling us, God, we can make this huge impact with, with, with a small amount every month. So we knew right away, oh my gosh, what we saw broke our heart. 
And what we heard broke our heart. So immediately we knew we have to give to that. We have to be generous to that. We, had to, we have to have a plan. Every month we're doing this. Every month we're giving to this. Every month we're giving to this. Every month we're writing letters. And many of you, you do the same thing. But we do that because it touched our heart, right? And actually, so we go on the website once in a while because sometimes kids will age out. We have to uh, sponsor a new kid. And I tell you, my wife, Jody, I can't let her on there anymore because every kid, she's like, oh, oh, oh we got to sponsor her. And then all of a sudden we'll look at the next kid. Oh. I'm like, oh, my God. I said, Jody, you're picking every, we can't sponsor them all, okay? If we sponsor every kid, somebody will have to sponsor us, okay? I'm just saying, that's how it works. Can't do it all. So we do for one what we wish we could do for everyone. Okay? You do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. So we sponsor children as we can. And we do that. So we give from a grateful heart. We give from a broken heart. And these aren't just principles. These, this, we're, a, we're a church that our foundation is the word of God. So let's get into the word of God. And let me show you how what I just, what I just shared with you is biblical. And it hit me, you guys, it hit me out of a scripture I've never even taught of before. Read it multiple times, but I've never taught from, uh, from the pulpit about it. So it's in 1 Corinthians 16. Now let me set it up and show you a map of the first churches uh, back when they were launched. This map, so Corinth is the church. You see it? It says Corinth. That's the church, the Corinthians that Paul writes to. Paul was a guy who wrote to a lot of these churches. He helped plant a lot of these churches. And Paul was a guy who was touched by Jesus in a mighty way, and it changed him. So the churches, you see way down to the right, lower right is Jerusalem. Jerusalem was the first church, right? If you didn't know that, Jerusalem, where Jesus, you know, the headquarters, and where Jesus, like, went to trial, and where he was crucified, and where he rose, and where he ascended into heaven, that was the first, where Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. That all happened in Jerusalem. So the first church happens there. So, so then out of Jerusalem, all these other churches are starting to get planted, and this is how this movement began, a movement that would finally spawn a church called Meadows. So here's the thing about it. I'm going to show you the scripture in a second, but I'm telling you something. The churches that were planted out of Jerusalem, I'll guarantee you something that they had. They had a broken heart, and they had a grateful heart for Jerusalem. Do you know why? Because the church in Jerusalem was so heavily persecuted because, trust me, the devil, the last thing the devil wanted was the church to come alive and active because he knew that it would, it would be, he, can't, he can't push back on it. And he would do whatever it takes. So persecution came. And the Jerusalem church was hit so hard, people scattered, which was great because it planted other churches. But yet they were impoverished, they were poor, they were hurting. So the other churches were broken over Jerusalem. They were also grateful because they existed, because Jerusalem existed, because they were the first church. So with that context, let me read you the, the first part of the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 1. Paul says, hey, now regarding your question about the money being collected for God's people in Jerusalem, you know, that first church, he said, here's what you should do. You should follow the same procedure I gave to the other churches in the Galatia area. In other words, Paul is saying, hey, uh, Corinth church, you guys, I'm giving you the same instructions I gave that church, and I gave that church, and I gave that church. This is the same thing. I'm going to give it to you. And you ready for it? Here it is. On the first day of each week, you should put aside a portion of the money you have earned. Okay, pause right there. In other words, Paul is saying, this is the plan. On Sunday, you're going to set aside a portion. And, and I know you don't have a checking account to put it into, and you don't have like a 401k. So you know what? Just, just dig a hole, okay? Dig a hole and put some there, and 
and you're going to dig a hole and put some there, and then you're going to dig a hole. So in these holes, you're going to put these things. And they're probably thinking, okay, Paul, but I'm confused. Uh, how much is a portion? And, and Paul says, oh, it's not an amount. It's, it's a portion. It's a percentage. In fact, King James, King James says it this way. You'll set aside as God has prospered you. I love that. So as you, as, as you have, you give. It's like, that's why the tithe, when you return 10% to God, this biblical command in the word of God, that's why it's a percentage, 10%, because it's an equalizer. Whether you make nine bucks an hour or 90 bucks an hour, it's 10%. So Paul is saying, it's a, it's a, as you prosper, you give. So as you make more, then, then, then more is going to go in this, and more is going to go in this, and more is going to, because you have more, right? You'll be, be able to spend more, you'll be able to save more, you'll be able to give more. Like as you get a raise, it goes up, it should. As you get your 14th stimulus check, right? It, it goes up. <laughs> as you, well, I think it's 14. So as you, um, as you get your bonus, okay, it, as you prosper is what he's saying. That's what he's saying, it's so good. So, but listen to what he says. I want to back up a second. I just saw this. You should each. So I love it. He's, he's speaking to everybody individually. You should each. Like he's saying, if you each do your part, if every one of you participate, this will change Jerusalem. It will change the world. It will build God's kingdom. I just saw that. Each. Each person. So anyway, so, so he says, don't wait. Back to the scripture. Don't wait until I get there and then try to collect it all at once. In other words, Paul is saying, just stick to the plan. Every week, you remember, put some in this hole, some in this hole, some in this hole. Just, just keep doing that, and then I never have to come back and do some big offering or some big collection. We're going to do a big capital campaign, and we're going to do a big fundraiser. Paul says, you don't need to do any of that. I won't need to come and show a slideshow of little puppies or, or little babies and, and, and guilt you to give. I won't have to do any of that, Paul says, because you've stuck to the plan. You, 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 you give. And then you save. And then you live abundantly. It's, it's, it's so amazing. We give from a grateful heart. And they did. I'll show you. That's, that's the only part of the scripture you're getting today. You give from a broken heart. And here's what I was going to add. I'll be straight with you. I had this in the notes and I took it out. You give from an obedient heart. It's true. It's biblical. And what I was going to tell you about was that tithe. How a tithe, when you return 10% back to God through the church, it's obedient, it's a command, and it's Old Testament, it's New Testament. Jesus himself said, yes, you should tithe. And tithing actually will actually not hinder you, but it actually will, will bless you in ways that you can't believe. But, but, but for some reason, God pulled back on it. And he said, you know what, just leave obedience. I don't want to hear like we're not an obedient church, but the, the grateful piece and the broken piece is enough. And sometimes when you hear from, a, especially a pastor, well, the Bible says this, and I, I believe it. I do it. Trust me. I, do what, I want to do what God commands. But I don't want to come at you that way with this message. I want to come at you with what are you grateful for? What are you broken for? And let's just leave it at that for now. And, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll, I can speak from experience. I could get real with you and tell you why do I give, like why do I tithe and even give above and beyond the tithe at times? It's not because I'm some great heroic person. I'm a selfish person a lot of days. I'm just being honest with you. But the reason I do it is because I'm grateful for the church because that's where I got saved. Like if I could pull back the layers and forget the obedience piece for a second, and let me just tell you why I'm grateful and why I give to the church. 13 years ago, out of a second drug rehab, my life was over. Like there was no hope. I still wanted to use. I wanted to throw it all away. It, 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 there was no hope for me. None. 
So we stumble through the doors of a church without being, I hadn't been to a church in over 15 years. Nothing consistently. We stumble into this church. This is why I'm grateful. I'm just, I'm just telling you. I was so broken. And I was literally at my worst. And when I was broken and at my worst, they, 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 they welcomed me. And, and, and they told me, keep coming back. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I felt so worthless. And they would encourage me. Like, every time that I wanted to, like, give in, or every time I wanted to give up, they would, they would like, literally lift me up. They would help me. And when I, when I did want to give in, they would literally tell me, you know what, don't, there's hope. And on the days when I literally wanted to die, and I'm telling you, there were days I literally wanted to die. You know what they did? They would point me to an empty cross, and they would tell me, you know what? A man named Jesus already did, so you don't have to. You can actually have life and have it to the full. So I'll give my life to it. I'll give my life to it. That's my story. So I'm grateful for the church. I'm also broken over lost people. At 10 years old, I told you the story when I learned from Scripture that most people will never get to heaven because they don't surrender to Jesus. It broke my heart. I had a broken heart at 10 years old about it. And that, that break is still there. To know that there are people like in addiction like I was, feeling hopeless like I felt, and they think there's no way out like I thought. I'm broken over that. I'm broken over people that are in dysfunctional relationships and they keep going back to the same dysfunctional relationship because that's all they know. And that's all they've known. But there's something better. I'm broken for people that maybe have a lot that this world offers. They've got the cash. They've got the cars. But yet they're dead on the inside. It breaks my heart. I'm broken for people that don't know Jesus. That they, that they, they might have spirituality and they might have religion. God, we're not a religious organization, by the way. That's a whole other story. So they have religion, but they don't know the author and perfecter of their faith, Jesus. I'm broken for the people that will die apart from Jesus and live forever separated from him and the Father. That breaks my heart. See, this, this is why I, I've given my life to the church. It's why I fund the local church. It's why I love the local church. And listen to me, I hope you love the church. I hope you love the local church. And if you don't love, if it's not this church, you should find one that you do love. There, there, you won't find a perfect one, but there is a church out there for everybody. I'm convinced of it. And if you don't, here, here's a better idea. Find a church that your kids love or your grandkids. I mean, there's a reason our kids' ministry is our most important ministry. Do you see a lot of kids flocking to the word of God? You hear a lot of stories about that? Read that on the internet when you're surfing, when you're going on CNN. You see any, any stories about kids flocking to meet Jesus? And, I mean, and they're out there, but you won't hear them. But there's not many. You know where the kids are flocking? Uh, a lot of times they're flocking away from it. Because, because they're sick of all the religion that goes with it and the hypocrites that are part of it. But I'm telling you, when you point a child to Jesus and his church in a loving, fun, beautiful way, it was probably two months ago, I had a conversation with a woman in the Welcome Center. I'll never forget it. I don't, I don't remember who she was, but I'll never forget what she said. She came in, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, she looked a little rough, disheveled. I mean, kind of like she just, you know, could have been hungover. I, I've seen the signs, I possibly. I didn't tell her that because I have a brain, okay? But she, okay, so I'm talking to her, and she's like, oh, pastor, I, my plan wasn't to come today. And I'm like, okay, I could probably see that. But, but her little kid, her little daughter's running around, but, but her, she points, but her, she's been talking about it since Tuesday. Is it Sunday yet? Is it Sunday yet? And it was just one little girl running around asking her mom every day, is it Sunday? And she knew that Sunday was coming, and she knew that that kid 
In fact, she was hoping she wouldn't come in her room. Maybe she'll forget it's in, and ask, or not ask. Well, the kid didn't forget. She asked. And I'm sure the mom was tempted to lie and say, no, honey, it's Saturday for the second day in a row. Sorry. But she didn't do that. She said it's Sunday, and she got her butt out of bed, and she came to church, and she said this one. She said, that's why I'm here. And I loved it. And then, and then the mom turned and had a side conversation, and I bent down to that little girl, and I said, here's 20 bucks. You do it again next week. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I wanted to do that, but you keep doing it. Me and you, we got a deal. So, I, but, but that's what she said. And I'm like, oh, my God, I love it. I love it. I want the next generation to fall in love with the Lord and his church. Is the church messy and messed up? Yes, but it's still the bride of Christ. So that's why I do it. I want to give first. I want to, I want to save second, and I want to live abundantly. So let me take you quickly to another scripture in 2 Corinthians. Paul's writing to the same church. He's wrote, this is a different letter. L listen, this blew me away, and I pray it blows you away like it did me. In 2 Corinthians, he's writing again. In chapter 8, verse 1, let me read it to you. Paul writes, now I want you to know, church, dear brothers and sisters, I want you to know what God in his kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia, in that area. You know what I read when I read that this week? I, here's in my mind I read. Church, I want you to know what God has done in his kindness through meadows and all the churches that meadows plants. I mean, that just filled my spirit. I'm like, yes, I want you to know what God is doing. They're being tested. These churches in the area where you're at, Corinth, they're being tested and they have many troubles. See, some of you, that's where you're at today. And some watching online, that's why you even tuned in. You're being tested. You have troubles. Jesus said they're coming. But he also said, I take heart, I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. So, so they're tested. They're struggling. They have troubles. But, but, but lean in, listen to this. And they're very poor. Oh my gosh, these churches are not doing well. The churches that Paul's talking about. But they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. Okay, back up, Paul. Is it opposite day or something? Because I'm confused. You just said they're struggling, they have troubles, they have trials, they're being tested, and they're poor. They don't have anything. And Paul's like, yeah, you heard it right. And then you also said they have abundant joy, and Paul's like, yeah. But the poor part, let's go back to that for a second. They have nothing. But then, Paul, you wrote they're, 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 generous, they're richly generous? Paul's like, yeah. See, see, God is teaching us something in the series. It isn't about what you have. It's about how you plan. Like, it's not about what's in your wallet. It's about who's in your heart. They had abundant joy, not because of their circumstances, but because of Jesus. That's why they had it. And if you think that didn't blow me away, what I read next did. Because, listen to this. He says, I can testify that they gave. They have, they have, they're poor, but they gave. They gave not only what they could afford, but far more. Uh, what? And they did it from their own free will. In other words, I didn't have to beat them. I didn't have to beg them. I didn't have to guilt them. They did it. In fact, you want to talk about begging? They actually begged me to give more. That's what the word says. Let's keep reading verse 4. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift. 
for the believers in Jerusalem. We love Jerusalem. Our heart is broken for them. We're so grateful for them. We wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for them. I mean, they begged to give. That would be like somebody, just to give you context, that would be like somebody running up to me after the service and saying, Pastor, Pastor, I know we took an offering, but let's do it again. Let's do it again. I want to give some more. I'm like, what? Now, as much as that would excite me and everything, I'm telling you what, my first question would be like, have you been drinking? I mean, seriously, like, I need you to pee in a cup. So I, that isn't normal behavior. But we're not called to be normal. Some of you, you peed in a cup before. You know who you are. And so have I. So anyway, so whatever. That's why we're Meadows Church. Um, <laughs> the last verse. Let, let this feed your spirit. <laughs> you know, you know. You know who you are. Okay, the last verse. They even did more than we hoped. This poor, destitute, troubled church. They did more than we hoped. Their first action, and there it is. Give first. Their first action. Above anything else, give first. Their first action. They gave themselves to the Lord and to us, just as God wanted them to do. They could have easily said, I can't do it. I don't have anything. Plus, my life sucks. And you want to take an offering for them? And they're like, God, yes. We'll give more. Paul, I know, what he, I know what you're asking, but I want to give more. It, it's insane. The, the reason that you might be thinking that is crazy is because it's different than the way that the world lives. We've been programmed from a world that is so far from God. It's so lost, but we, church, you are different. Say, I'm different. You're different. You're different. Listen, I wrote it down. Does God want you to trust him? Does he? Absolutely. Check this out. When you give first, you're deciding ahead of time to trust God. When you give first, you're deciding ahead of time, I'm going to trust God. Will I trust God? Because I don't want the old anymore. God didn't promise easy. He promised abundant. Put up the chart again. What's the old chart look like? This is what's normal. Normal. Worry, spending, debt, no margin. You don't have to live that way anymore. What's the new way? What's a different way? Do we have it? I want to see a different way. I want to see, oh, yeah, I want to replace my, my, my worry with joy. And joy, what does joy do? It leads, oh, I'm going to give first. And then I'm going to save second. And, and then I'm going to live abundantly. And when I'm living abundantly, I have abundant joy. We have a choice. See, this is different. The world isn't living this way, but that's why God led you here. That's why you're here today. He wants this for you. He doesn't want, to, he doesn't want you to be, be struggling and be, be miserable and be scrounging and worried and, and just not, trust, and not knowing where your next meal is going to come from. He doesn't want that. He doesn't want that. He wants this, but it requires us to do something differently. Give first, save second, and live last. This is why, I'll be very open, this is why we're doing Financial Peace University. Financial Peace is a nine-week course that we're offering. It starts next Monday, the 8th. I'm begging you, if you've never done this, and some of you, you're going to go through it again if you've done it, because maybe you've gotten a little bit sideways. This, you want to learn how to give first? You want to learn how to save you want to learn how to uh, live abundantly on what you have left? And what you have left is more than what you ever had in the first place when you weren't giving? It's weird how it works. It can happen. Financial peace. Write financial peace on the card and turn it in. We'll talk to you about it. It's, it's, nine, it's once a week for nine weeks. I guarantee you, you will, it will change your life. I don't say that because I just have to say it. I've been through it. 
We've been through it. We've been through it. This is the number one way we walk with people financially. I want to help you. We want to help you. So it starts, again, a week from tomorrow, online. If you want to Zoom, you can Zoom into this too. So if you're not uh, from around here, type financial peace in the comments. This is it. It will lead you to different. It will lead you to giving first, saving second, living abundantly, and having joy in every season, regardless of what's going on around you. Because it's not about that. It's about what's going on in you. This week, I'm talking to my pastor, and he shares a story, a recent story. I'll start, I'll start from where he started. He went to um, Bagel Boy coffee shop. Normally he doesn't go there, but felt prompted to go there and grab a coffee on this particular day. So he goes to Bagel Boy, and he's in there grabbing a coffee. And a guy comes in that he knows, it's from actually a, a church that helped plant the church he leads. And so he knows the guy doesn't probably know him real well, but knows him. And the guy comes in, and he says, Pastor, hey, how you doing? You know how it is. I, he goes, I need you to pray for me. My pastor's like, okay, yeah, I would love to. What's going on? And he said, I've been out in my car for 15 minutes bawling. And he said, before that, I was in the hospital parking lot bawling. And as I was crying out here, just in this last 15 minutes, I was begging God, God, I need you to, I need you to show up. I need you to do something. And I looked up and then I saw you in the window, so I thought I'd come in and ask you to pray. And he said, why were you at the hospital in the parking lot crying? And, and he said, my granddaughter's in the hospital. He said, a couple weeks ago, uh, my son accidentally ran her over with a tractor. Yeah, you, you can about imagine. And you know what I thought of when he told me that? I thought of, I, I maybe have shared this before, but when I was 10 years old, my best friend, his, his, and this girl's three years old, and his sister, who was two, this is when I was 10 years old, she, she was in the cab with her dad, and she fell out of the cab, and you don't stop tractors on a dime. And by the time he stopped the tractor, she was under the wheel. And immediately when he said that with me, I thought about my best friend's little, little uh, sister who died. So, so my pastor said, here's what my pastor did, and this was crazy. So he sits down with the guy. He says, listen, the world that we're living in right now is so sideways and messed up. Everywhere you look, it's messed up. He says, we're not, gonna, we're not just praying for her to live. I said, I'm going to pray that she walks out of that hospital. So they sat down together, and they held hands, and they prayed. And they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed, and they prayed for a miracle. Because that's what it would take. And as they were praying, you know, you know how sometimes you just feel the presence of the Lord? Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you're praying, you wonder if anybody's there, but he's there, I promise you. And they're praying. And then he shared. So this happened in January, I think, 13th is when the accident happened. And he's sharing with this, me this week, and he said the guy, the grandpa, reached out to him last week called the church to reach the pastor and he said, you're not going to believe this. My granddaughter walked out of the hospital. So, yeah. So, so and, 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 and he sent me the Caring Bridge update two days ago and, and the grandpa made the comment in there that he had her, had uh, the little girl's lap bouncing her on his knee. Everything appears. In fact, the Caring Bridge, I, I, I copied it. It said, she's starting to get a bit of a recollection about the accident. Most notably, here's what she said. Remember, Mom, she said, God healed me. Three years old. Three years old, and she learns, my God healed me. The doctors didn't do it. I mean, God used them, but they didn't do it. The medicine didn't do it. 
So, so here's why I tell you that story. You know what, I, I, kept, I kept reflecting back to my, my friend's sister. And I thought to myself, let's say that little girl got brought in like this little girl did to the emergency room and, and they could do something and they could help save her. I just, I just think about it. And what if they said something like, we can help her. Like we think we can get her to walk again. She can start to function again normally. She can live a normal life, but it's gonna take something. See, insurance can't do it. The procedure that we need to do, it's not covered by insurance. You just gotta give. You gotta give what you have. Think about the little girl who walked out of the hospital. What if that was the situation? You gotta give. It's not covered, but, but if you do, and we do this procedure, we think it's going to work. Do you think the grandfather would hesitate to give everything? No. Do you think the parents would hesitate to give everything? They wouldn't hesitate. And you know what I know about you? Neither would you. Neither would you. If it was your, your sister or your brother or your child or your grandchild, you would give it all. And you know what I wrote down? Giving is a natural response to love. It's natural. It's what we do. Like we give from a grateful heart. Oh, God, thank you for giving me my daughter. I'm so grateful for her. God, I'm so broken over what happened. This, this tragedy is miserable. I'm grateful, but I'm broken. I'm grateful, but I'm broken. I love him so much. And love can't help but give. Giving is a natural response to love. For God so loved the world, you know the scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in Jesus Christ will not die, but will live forever in heaven with him. And all those that go there, for God so loved that he gave. What's the first thing God did when he loved? He gave. You always give first. One more scripture. I keep saying that. I know, pastor lies. Anyway, so Romans 5, 8. It's so good. You know that story about Jesus giving his son, or God giving his son Jesus, that I just read in John three sixteen. Listen to this. Romans 5, 8. God demonstrated God demonstrates his own love towards you and me. While we were still sinners, his son died for us. That's what gets me. That's what gets me. That's like saying, you know what? For that little girl to live, you gotta give everything. But you know what? She might not make it. You know what they would do? They would still give everything because there's a chance, because there's hope. They would, and you would too. That's what God did. That's, that's, what, you just, that's what I just read to you. While you were still in your dysfunction and in your sin, and while I was still in my disgusting drug addiction, selfish, living something that I can no longer control, God's like, Jesus, you gotta go, even for him. He's messed up, but even for him and even for her. I know they're looking at pornography still, but you're gonna go, Jesus. I know they're still lying to their friends and family. I know they still got the secrets. I know they're still in the abuse. I know they're still all messed up. But while they're still sinning, I can't wait. You need to go now. And you think God knew that most people wouldn't surrender to him? Yeah, he knew. He's God. Most people won't call in the name of Jesus and be saved. They won't believe wholeheartedly what I just shared with you in John 3, 16. But God still sent Jesus while they were all still sinning. That, so God didn't wait. That's what, I, that's what I came here to tell you. God didn't wait. He doesn't wait for you to get your life back on track. He'd been waiting a long time for me. He didn't wait, doesn't wait for you to, to get all cleaned up. That's why we're a church. You'll never have to get cleaned up to come to Meadows Church. You come here to get cleaned up, right? The, we're a church for broken people. 
That's who we are. It's okay to not be okay. God didn't wait for you to get cleaned up, to get back on track. He didn't wait while you were still sitting. He didn't wait for you to get your act together. No, he sent Jesus. He sent his first and his best. And he sent him not just to get you back on track, not just to get you cleaned up, but he sent Jesus Christ to literally make you new. New. He doesn't just fix up. He makes you new. But if he does, pastor, I'm still messed up. I know, but Christ is in you. And Christ will never leave you. The gospel of Jesus Christ is it's what you heard. But here, here's what I think, and here's where it can, get, it can get uncomfortable. And I'm okay making it uncomfortable because I think we grow in discomfort. But here's what many people will say, and this grieves my heart. It's like, oh, I'm good with Jesus. We're good, I believe in him, I'm good. But their life doesn't look any different than anybody who doesn't believe. So something's wrong with that picture. Let's pull back to the message. If, if, and maybe that's you. That was me, by the way. That was my life. I believed in Jesus all my life. I just wouldn't surrender to him. Big difference. Big difference. Satan believes in Jesus, okay? Trust me, he ain't saved. I believed in Jesus. I wouldn't surrender to him. And you know, you know here's what's funny about my story. When I started to give, I, I, I knew that God had my heart. What did it say? Giving is a natural response to love. I'm not judging anybody. Trust me, giving is the last thing I did. But I'm telling you, if you're sitting here today thinking, oh, here's the gospel, Jesus Christ died on the cross. Three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And if I believe in him and call on his name, I'm saved. I've done that. I prayed the prayer. Okay, that's great. That's, that's a decision in the moment. But I'm asking, is the Holy Spirit in you? Have you surrendered? Is, he, is it true? Is it not authentic? If, if you don't have a giving heart, like if you don't give, but you're saying, I believe in Jesus, there's something that's, there's a disconnect. I'm, just, I'm not judging anybody, trust me. I'm the last person who can judge. I'm just telling you, God wants us to examine our heart. Giving is a natural response to love. When God has, your, when God has all of your heart, you will give. It, 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 it. That's why it's not about money, it's about the heart. Where your treasure is there, the desire, desires of your heart will be. You truly want to sell out to Jesus today? I ain't, I, I'm not just talking about praying a prayer. I'm not going to lead you in any prayer today. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say, well, connect, mark the box. I want you to mark the box. Then I know God's doing something in you, but I, I, I don't want to play games. Sell out to him. Maybe you're here today thinking, I don't have a giving heart. God, pastor, I don't give much. I'm scared. I, 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 I don't know if I have enough. I get it. I've been there. Sell out to Jesus today. Maybe you've never done that authentically real. Online, I tell you every week, type, I choose Jesus. Type it, but know that it's way bigger than just saying, oh, I'm, I believe and I'm good to go. No, that's the beginning. But giving is a natural response. For God so loved, he gave. And when I talk about the resurrection, that's the key. That's the key to salvation, by the way. Believing in the resurrection. Here's what's crazy. I started this scripture today in, in John, or, uh, Corinthians uh, one. What did I start in? 116. Yeah, that's what it was. 116. If you read 1 Corinthians 115, the end of it, you know what it's about? The resurrection. Here's what's crazy about that. The chapters and the verses, they're not, we added those. We added those, okay? To help us navigate, I guess, because we can't figure things out. I know I have a hard time. But they're not. Paul's writing one letter. So he writes about the resurrection of Jesus. And he's writing about how we, when we truly sell out to Jesus,
God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, come into me and make me new. I don't want to play. Save me. When we do that and we mean it and the Holy Spirit enters us, it changes you. So he's talking about resurrection. And then you know what? What's he do next? He leads right into giving. Read 1 Corinthians 15. You'll see it. He's talking about the resurrection. And then he says, okay, you guys, you get it? Now we're talking about giving because that's a natural response to the resurrection. See, resurrection power, that will motivate you to give first. I'll say it again. Resurrection power will motivate you to give first. Resurrection power, it will motivate you to serve. It will motivate you to forgive. It will motivate you to love. Resurrection power will motivate you to be different. Not because you're good, but because he is good. Do you believe he's good? Put your hand. Do you believe? I believe you're good. And so do you. I believe you do. Next week will be life-changing for our church. We're implementing something. <laughs> you'll, you'll be excited. We're implementing something in response to what God has done in me and in us in this series. You need to come back. You won't, you won't regret it. I want to pray for you. I love you. I love you so much. Father, the messages are challenging, and I, I'm okay with that. Too often I would come to church. It wasn't a challenge for me because I wasn't engaged, and it, it didn't really make me uncomfortable because I really didn't care. And I, and I went to church and checked it off the list, but it really didn't matter because the church isn't a place you go. It's, it's who you are. Father, I lift up everybody here. I know that what we've learned in this series about giving first it is so countercultural to what our consumer mindset world shows us every day and points to us every day. Get what's new, get what's shiny, get what's next, and, and that'll give you happiness, and that'll give you a sense of freedom, and that'll give you all kinds of joy and adventure. But the, the fact is, those things rust. Those things get old. Those things break down. Those things fade away. The Word of God, the life-saving power of Jesus Christ is forever. That's joy. If this church, who, who sounded about as uh, hurting as Jerusalem was, they had nothing. But they gave everything. And they did it with joy. And then they begged to give more. I, I, oh, my God. Continually change my heart. I want to live like that. And I'm not there yet. And maybe others feel the same way, God. And they're challenged. Somebody's going to take a step towards Financial Peace University saying, you know what? I don't know how to do it, but I want to learn. I'll take a next step to live differently. I want joy. I want abundance. Live abundantly. Live abundantly. Jesus, you didn't come that we might live mediocre. You didn't, you didn't come that we might just get by, scrape by every day. That's not why you came. You came to say, I want to give you life and give it to the full. That's abundance. That's who you are. God, I lift up this church. I lift up the people watching online. Help them get the courage to do whatever they're called to do. Whatever you're asking them to do, God, may they do that. I pray that your word pierces their heart. I pray people will truly surrender to you, to your son, Jesus Christ. Go all out and say, I, I want you. I don't have a giving heart, but I know I need you because you're the only one that can change a heart. People can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. And for the people, God, that need more prayer, 
as the worship team sings and the prayer team comes up later, I pray that they won't go the direction out the doors, but they'll come towards the altar and let somebody lift them up in prayer because we need each other. And God, if we ever need an example of the power of prayer, I don't think we have to look any further than a three-year-old girl who's walking right now, talking right now, and possibly even the moment, bouncing on her grandfather's knee. You're a good God. You love us, and we love you. And Father, we thank you. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. I invite you to like or subscribe to our social channels. That way you don't miss a single video, update, or message. But not only that, would you consider sharing this message with a friend, coworker, family member? I mean, so many people need hope and encouragement and you have the ability to bring it directly to them. Finally, one more thing. I wanna ask that you would consider giving financially to this ministry. I mean, God has done so much, but yet we believe he wants to do so much more, like so many more people he wants to reach, so much more hope he wants to give, so many more lives that he wants to save, and your investment can help make that happen. So again, thank you so much. I love you, and God loves you more. God bless you.